The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I want every one of us to break through into a place of purity. I want you to live with a pure heart before God. It is not helpful for me to come and simply preach about not doing certain things. You will never break into that place of purity by focusing your attention on, okay, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do this. That breakthrough into the presence of God. That's what we must have. And frankly, I've been talking with people about this as I meet them in various places. One young woman, just turning 21, lives at home, going to school, very conservative Roman Catholic family. She was telling me that for Lent, she had given up social media, and all wine. I said, that's wonderful. But now, would you consider giving up wine permanently? Well, pastor, why should I give up wine permanently? Well, because when you drink alcohol, you can cloud your mind. And God calls us to be pure. You might also consider permanently turning off your social media sites. Oh, pastor, that's where I live. I looked at her directly with a very kind look on my face, and I said to her, Do you have a clean heart before God? Her eyes got wide. I could tell she had no clue what I just said to her. So I said, Is your heart clean? Is it pure? Do you know what I'm talking about? She said, Pastor, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. I said, Well, haven't you gone to Mass for years with your mom? Yes. And they never talked about having a pure and clean heart before God? Well, I don't remember that ever being talked about. And then I... I went to a coffee house. And there I met a friend, and and we had coffee. And I listened to him as he spoke about all the things that were going on in his life and in his business, the travels he was doing and the businesses he was in the process of establishing. It was all very exciting, alive. And finally, there was a lull in the conversation, and, and I asked him the question, do you have a pure heart before God? 
a, a look of bewilderment went over his face. He said, what are you talking about? I said, do you have a clean heart before God? He said, Pastor, I don't know what you're talking about. I know for a fact that he goes to church every week. He's very active in their ministry. He was raised in the Anglican Church. He has a rich history of religion. I said, a pure heart is where you come before God and there's no guilt in your conscience. There's nothing in your heart that separates you from Jesus. When you go into the prayer closet, you have instant access to the throne of God. You have a pure heart. You have a clean heart. It's been washed in the blood. You're walking in obedience before God, and you know where you stand with him. He said, Pastor, I'm not sophisticated like that. I said, no, no, don't don't give me that number. What I'm talking about is not sophisticated religion. What I'm talking about is just simple honesty before Jesus. He said, well, I've always wanted to understand something that was really true about God. But he said, everybody has their own interpretations of Scripture and everybody has their own beliefs and everybody... I said, no, no, wait, 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 wait. It's just a simple question. Are you clean before God? Do you have a clean heart? Or are you walking in some kind of sin or rebellion or are there events of the past that you've never repented of, differences between you and other people that you've never resolved, you've never repented before God. And he went, well, yeah, you know. I said, no, no. You took too long to answer my question. It's very clear you do not have a clean mind before God. You don't have a pure heart. And you've been in the Christian church all your life. I said, in the church where you are now, does your pastor not preach about a pure heart? Does he not preach about cleanness before God? Well, no, not really. Wow. Wow. I know, though, as surely as I'm speaking, that many of you that I'm speaking to, if I were to ask you one-on-one, -on -one, person to person, do you have a clean heart before God? Is your heart pure before God? Many of you would not know how to answer that question. You've never considered the possibility that you could have a clean heart before God. Your whole life has been an endless life of of struggle and trying and doing your best. And then finally, 
saying, look, this is the best I can do, and God's just going to have to love me. And and now I'm being told all of the grace of Jesus is unconditional. His love is unconditional. He's imputed his grace to me. I'm covered by the blanket of his righteousness. I'm good to go. Pastor, what are you talking about? I need to have a pure heart. Well, let's look at a few scriptures. Let's see what the Word of God says. In just a few scriptures, I could give you many, many, many scriptures, but but let's just look at a few scriptures so that you begin to get the idea of what I'm speaking about. Second Timothy, you may want to jot some of these down. Second Timothy, the second chapter. Let me begin reading in verse 22. But you must flee youthful lust, and you must pursue righteousness or innocence, faith, love, peace with the ones calling on the name of the Lord out of a pure heart. The expectation of Scripture is that you will conscious, you will consciously understand if you have a pure heart. And then another passage over here in the book of James, James, the fourth chapter. I'm going to begin reading in verse 7. That's James 4, verse 7. Therefore, you must be subject to God and must resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You must draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. You must cleanse your hands, you sinner, and purify your hearts, you double-minded, You understand, double-minded is a person who says, I'm a Christian, but I walk in sin. That's double-mindedness. You know how to, as one pastor said to me, I know how to hang with the world, and I know how to hang with the church. You must cleanse your hands, you sinners. You must purify your hearts, you double-minded. You must lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be changed to mourning and your joy to heaviness. You must be humbled before the Lord and he will exalt you. He's talking about the process that it will take you to go through to find God. I've said to many of you as you've talked with me, if you got really sick, are you close enough to God to reach him before you died? Or would you die before you got to God? Some of you are so far away from God, you don't have a chance of getting to him if you got in trouble. You're too far away. Look at First Peter with me. This is First Peter one, 
22. Having purified your souls, that is, your personality. Your soul is your personality. It's who you are. Having purified your souls by obedience of the truth. Purified your souls by obedience of the truth through the Spirit in unhypocritical love you must love one another out of a pure heart constantly having been born again out of not out of corruptible seed but of incorruptible by the living word of God even abiding forever so Peter is saying, look, the way you purify your soul is you begin to obey what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. I remember very clearly the day the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, turn your television off. I said, what? That was my drug of choice. I could preach and I could teach and I could minister to people, but then I'd come home and I'd crash in front of the television and I'd eat and watch a movie. The Lord said, turn it off. I said, okay. So I turned the television off and I'd bring my food into the living room and I would sit in front of the television with it off and I would eat my food and I would mourn the loss of my drug as I went through the withdrawal pains of not going to the television. Now, many of you don't have that addiction to the television. You have that addiction to Facebook or to some social media outlet, to Twitter or Instagram or some other outlet. Holy Spirit said, turn it off. And so for some time, I went into the living room, and I sat in the living room. And I would stare at the blank screen, wishing I could turn it on. But knowing the Holy Spirit had said, turn it off. And I was doing that one day. And the Holy Spirit said to me, carry that television outside and put it in the trash. I said, oh, that's my beautiful large-screen Sony. It cost me over $1,000. Can I sell it? Holy Spirit was very plain. You take that television out and you put it in the trash. That's what the Lord thought about it. He thought it was trash. And so he told me to put it with the trash. And I did put it with the trash. I dumped it. Now, what am I going to do to fill my time? Well, it was very plain what I was to do. He said to me, if you want my power, read my word. So I got rid of the television, and I began to read the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. And at first... It was utterly boring to me. The only time I had really studied the scriptures was when I was preparing for a message or a sermon. 
but now I was reading it recreationally. I was reading it for the joy of listening to the Lord God's instruction to my life and in my heart. And at first I just went to sleep. I had to actually get up. This was many years ago. I had to get up and walk around the room as I read aloud the scriptures. And after a time, they began to come alive to me. And today, the scriptures are the most precious thing in my life. Every moment I have, I'm coming into my prayer closet, and I'm reading the scriptures, because they are food to me. They are life to me. They're everything to me, because they're Jesus to me. The scriptures reveal Jesus to me. And when I read the scriptures, that's when he comes and speaks to me and tells me things. Or after I leave the prayer closet, as I go about my business, suddenly the Lord will break into my thoughts and he'll give me very clear direction. But I know it's flowing out of that time I spent with him in the prayer closet. Now there's another passage. Let me turn to it. It's over here in First John, the third chapter. First John 3. And I'm going to read 2 and 3. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been made known what we shall be, but we know that if at any time he may be manifested, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And every one who, having this hope in him, purifies himself, just as that one is pure. So the Lord is calling us to purify ourselves, to walk clean before him. Now, A pure heart requires us to go to God and repent, confess every known thing in our heart that stands between us and Jesus. As one person this week said to me, Pastor, when I go in to pray, I have to plan my prayer. I often, he said, write it out. Because when I come to pray, I have no sense of God's presence. And so I have to just by faith say my prayer to him and hope that somehow he'll hear me. I shared with him that many years ago I had made a decision to search after the Lord. I had to find him. And so I went into the prayer closet and determined that I would spend one hour every day searching, praying, 
to find the Lord. I set the clock for one hour, the alarm clock for one hour, and after ten minutes, I'd said everything I had to say a couple of times. And God wasn't anywhere close. There was nothing. It felt like my prayer was bouncing off the ceiling. I'd made the vow, and so I stayed on my knees for the full hour. The next day I came back to do the same thing again, and I knew I was in serious trouble. I didn't know how I would survive this, but because I had made the vow, I kept the vow. Because I knew enough to know that when I say something to God, He hears, and He expects me to keep what I have said I would do. I find a lot of people will not keep their vows. One man said to me, Pastor, every month I'm going to send my tithe for Pilgrim's Progress. I said, Thank you very much. I know the Lord will bless you for doing this. <laughs> that was several months ago, and I haven't seen anything from him. And needless to say, I'm not going to call him and ask. He quickly forgot his vow. He made a vow to give and then forgot about it. But he made it before God. God didn't forget about it. So I prayed because I said I would. Because I know that if I'm going to have anything with God, I have to be a man of my word. I have to do what I say I will do before him. And these many years ago, as I went before him and prayed, in my spirit, not in, not in my flesh eyes, but in my spirit, and don't ask me how I knew, I'd never experienced anything like this before. It was all new to me. In my spirit, I could see a fence. And beyond the fence, I could see the throne room of God. And I was fenced out of the throne room of God. I was not allowed in. I grieved over that. And then I had the dream that I've shared with you before, where... I was standing, looking through a fence in a meadow, and there was a table, a long table. I couldn't see the end of it. And it was set with silver and gold and white tablecloth and crystal. And it was loaded with food, and the food was hot and steaming, and it was delicious-looking. And I stood on the outside. I was fenced out. I couldn't get in. And then I turned in sadness and sorrow with tears. And I began to walk away. And as I walked away, there was a group of people coming toward me. And these people were 
dressed in, in warm coats and furs, and they had in their arms packages wrapped in Christmas papers and bows. And suddenly, as I came to them, I recognized that I was naked. I had no clothing on. I was totally uncovered. And I began to run and just ran away. I woke up. I went back into the prayer closet, and I began to cry out to God and say, God, you won't let me in your throne room, and I'm bare naked. That's why you won't let me in. I don't have a pure heart. I have an ugly heart. I have not repented before you. I'm still a sinner. And that began a process of of earnest repentance that finally led me to a place of absolute despair and hopelessness. The burden of sin on my heart was so heavy and I was locked out. I could not enter the throne room of God. And I began to cry out to God, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm at the end. And that was one of those wonderful times when God spoke and said, Good, I've been waiting for you to die. And I was very angry with him about that. It seemed such a hard thing to say to me. And he said to me, You were bought at a price. You are not your own. And wow, I just climbed right down. And then he kindly said to me, Will you receive from my hand only that which I give you? And I answered, Yes. I went back into the prayer closet. The most amazing thing had happened. There was no fence. And I walked freely into the throne room of God and got on my face before the throne of God and began to cry out and thank Him for washing me and making me clean, for forgiving me for my sins. And He gave me a pure heart. a clean heart, a new heart, with his laws written in it. And my years of struggle ended. Now, fear still had a place in my heart. And there were other things that out of immaturity came to ravage me. I had to deal with those things. I had to choose if I was going to enter his rest. As it says in Hebrews 3 and 4, there is yet a place of rest for the people of God. And I began to enter into his rest and cease from my own labor.
and that's where I am today. I'm facing utter financial impossibilities. How do I pay for the rent for the house when I'm not on salary? How do I pay for for all the other things that need to be covered? How do I pay for the radio? You know what? None of that's due today. And the Lord has said, don't be afraid. You're in transition. And I just come by faith, smiling and rejoicing. This morning when I woke up, I was explosive with joy and shouts of victory and faith in Jesus Christ, knowing that he is carrying me and that he's going to carry me all the way through as I wait upon him and as I rest in him. I can trust him. I know my Lord. I know my Savior. He is everything to me. I want to read for you something that is just utterly stunning to me. I think it will be for you as well. This is the story of the end of Charles Finney's conversion. It's said that Charles Finney was directly responsible by the power of the Holy Spirit for a quarter of a million people coming to Jesus and being serious and long-term believers in Jesus. When he was converted in the woods, he was an attorney. He went there to pray. He prayed the morning through. And then it's in his own words, he said, I walked quietly toward the village And so perfectly quiet was my mind that it seemed as if all nature listened. I had gone into the woods immediately after an early breakfast, and when I returned to the village, I found it was lunchtime. Yet I'd been wholly unaware of the time that had passed. It appeared to me that I'd gone from the village only a short time. But how was I to account with the quiet of my mind. I tried to recall my convictions to get back again the load of sin under which I had been laboring. But all sense of sin, all consciousness of present sin or guilt had departed from me. I said to myself, what is this that I cannot arouse any sense of guilt in my soul, as great a sinner as I am? I tried in vain to make myself anxious about my state. I was so quiet and peaceful that I tried to feel concerned about it, lest it should be a result of my having grieved the Spirit away. But no matter what view I took of it, I could not be anxious at all about my soul and my spiritual state. The repose of my mind was unspeakably great. I never can describe it in words. The thought of God was sweet to my mind, and the most profound spiritual tranquility had taken full possession of me. This was a great mystery. 
I went to lunch, and I found I had no appetite to eat. I then went to the office and found that Squire Wright had gone to lunch. I took the brass viol down, as I was accustomed to do, and I began to play and sing some pieces of sacred music. But as soon as I began to sing those sacred words, I began to weep. It seemed as if my heart was all liquid and my feelings were in such a state that I could not hear my own voice in singing without causing my my tears to overflow. I wondered at this and tried to hold back my tears, but could not. After trying in vain to suppress my tears, I put away my instrument and stopped singing. Finney is describing in his life the conversion experience where with a clean heart, with a pure heart, Everything confessed, everything made right. Every every shadow in his life was cleared away. He was wearing the white garments of Jesus. I'm concerned for you. Because many of you have lost all conviction of sin because you've been taught that the love of Jesus is unconditional, that you can never lose your place in the family of God, that once you become a member of the family of God, you're good to go for the rest of your life, and you can sin in any way you choose, and all you'll lose is a little fellowship, but you're saved. You're on your way to heaven. So the devil has clearly tricked you with very, quote, respectable, unquote, pastors who teach the lying, sinning Christian. And so there's no need for you to get a clean heart. Covered, you're good to go. When God looks at you, he doesn't see you. He sees Jesus' clean heart. Well, if the blood of Jesus Christ cannot cleanse me from all my sin... If the blood of Jesus does not remove sin from me, then my case is hopeless before him. And you say, oh, no, no, pastor. Because when you die, then you're going to be made righteous. I don't find that in Scripture. And death cannot be my Savior. Jesus must be my Savior. So my question to you, Do you have a clean heart today? Do you have a pure heart before God? Or are you walking in known sin and rebellion against the Most High? Are you so far away from God that you don't even understand what I'm talking about? Have you become so comfortable in your religion and in the world that you don't even know there's a breakthrough into a whole different realm of reality where you're washed and made clean and you walk in the spirit of the living God. Do you know about that place? Do you walk there? Is your habitation in Jesus Christ? 
or do you live in the world? In the lust of your flesh, in the pride of your life, in the busyness of your ambitions? Or have you humbled your heart before God and given yourself utterly to Him? Romans 6. Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. And in the Greek, it's even stronger. It's absolutely no. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And that takes me to another passage of Scripture. Second Corinthians, the fifth chapter. Let me read this. Verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, doesn't say, therefore, if anyone is in the world or in the flesh or in the devil. It's if you are in Christ, if you have been crucified with Jesus and you have given up your life. You see, you can't keep your worldly life and keep a life in Jesus. It is a radical change. It is a total transition. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. You see, some of you have struggled and struggled and struggled because the old is not gone yet, and the new has not come yet. And you're going to have to weep and cry out before God and repent of every morsel of sin in your heart confessing it before God, confessing it before men, confessing your sin, and absolutely getting it all out. And asking God if he would do that wonderful transforming work of the new birth in your life, where he makes you new, where he gives you a new place of standing. Now, you know I speak often about revival. What is revival? Revival is simply every person coming and making the decision to confess their sin, to get right with God, to lay it all down, to allow God to give a pure and clean heart before him, to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. Now, I'm going to say some things that are going to make some of you mad. I'm sorry. I have to say it. If there is not a constant flow of praise and worship coming out of your life, 
you're blocked. You're blocked by unbelief. You're blocked by some specific sins. You're blocked by anger. When I gather a group of people together and I say, let's pray. And people sit in silence with a hand over their mouth and they don't speak. I understand why. It's because they still are not walking with a pure heart, a clean heart, a pure mind. They still have some rebellion, pride primarily, standing in the way of an honest, open, humble confession of Jesus Christ. The reason people don't pray is they're still judgmental and proud. And if anyone else prays, well, they prayed too long. Prayer's a waste of time. I don't have to sit and listen to this. That's because there's still pride in the heart, and I have struggled in the church for years with this. It's pride. There is pride, anger, ambition. There are blocks in the heart. A heart that is pure and clean before God will just gush out its praise and its prayers and its petitions. It is an open heart to the mighty God of heaven. So what is your condition before God today? Do you pray? And I have to tell you, I have in recent times struggled with this because things have been extremely difficult in my life with great trials and trauma, things happening in my life and in other people's lives that I love that have caused me great sorrow and I have just wept before the Lord. But he said to me, Will you just wait on me? Will you let me carry you? Will you just rest in me? And when I rest in Jesus, my heart gushes with love for my Savior, for my God. And I'm so grateful for what he's done for me. And faith rises up. And I stand solidly by faith. You know, I I just got a letter from, I'll use the first name, from Alberta and from Claire, from Ralph, from, uh, from Robert, from Delip, and I could name many others. I have a whole stack of letters that I'm going to try to get some thank you notes out for. I know why they give. Because they're walking by faith. And their heart is flowing out to God. They don't have a block. And so they give. And they praise. 
and they worship. And they freely open their heart to the Messiah, to Jesus. So again, I come just to ask the simple question. Do you today have a pure heart before God? Do you today have a clean heart before the Almighty God? And does your heart just flow in praise and worship, standing by faith, knowing the glory of God's love for us, for you? Jesus loves you. I wish I could sing. I'd sing you that song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know, for the Bible tells me so. Simple child song. What I've spoken to you today about is not sophisticated. It's not difficult. It's very simple. Will you do what is necessary to get yourself a clean heart before God? Will you repent of your pride and your ambition? Will you repent of your judgments and your anger? Will you repent of your lust, your anger, your bitterness, your hardness? Will you repent of your arrogance? Let's pray together. O oh Lord, my God, our Father who art in heaven, your name is holy. And I'm asking for your will to be done upon this earth, even as your will is done in heaven. I'm asking, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would come and call these precious men and women that your Holy Spirit would come and call them to do whatever is necessary today to be given a clean heart before you, a pure heart. That they would take those steps of obedience that you're calling them for, that they would awaken from their slumber, that they would turn aside from false teaching, and they would seek you with all of their heart. For you said to Jeremiah, if you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. Lord, I pray for your people today. I pray that you will move with revival power in their hearts to come back to the simple gospel of Scripture. That they would confess their sin before you. That they would run to you, Jesus. Some have grown hard, wrinkled, old. Lord, would you renew them in your spirit now? I pray in the name of Jesus and by your blood, precious Lord. Amen. Well, we're out of time for today. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. Please, I'd love to hear from you. If your heart is full of love and you want this ministry to continue, 
please write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now, you can also go online, and I'd love to hear from you this afternoon, right now. Go online to nationalprayerchapel.com and just click the donate button. You would be a great encouragement to my heart. I walk this by faith, and I'm eager to know that you're walking with me. God bless you, my brother and my sister, with a pure heart today. Falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, with great joy to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Jesus Christ, our